Welcome to the podcast of the Vine Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, visit thevineoc.com. Well, again, good evening and welcome to our Good Friday service. Here we are in Fullerton, California, 2019. And the reason we are here tonight is to remember the greatest act of love in the history of the world. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, was crucified on the cross for us. And that is the reality we are here tonight to remember and to celebrate. Now, when you think of the cross, what, what comes to mind for you? sure there are different responses and reactions depending on your background. Uh, I, I think in our culture, even sometimes in the church, I think the cross has been a bit sanitized, even trivialized. I mean, think, I think for so many, it's almost like the cross has just sort of just become like a little bit of a fashion statement, you know, like a, you know, something, a little trinket you might wear uh, on an earring or maybe around your neck. And I'm not against that. I have a cross under here. Uh, but uh, I think sometimes we miss the significance of what the cross is about. Now, if we were to travel back in time and and talk with someone from the first century before Jesus came, before he was crucified, if if you were to show them a, a cross on a necklace, they would have found that to be utterly and completely bizarre. Why? Well, because for them, that was a symbol of suffering. It was a symbol of death, and not just any death, but the most barbaric, Uh, ruthless, uh, horrible form of death you could possibly imagine. So for them, it would be like having a little, for us, having a little electric chair around your neck, right? That was the significance for them. It was, the cross was an instrument of torture and it was actually reserved, not just for anybody, but for the worst criminals in that Roman society. But after Jesus' death on the cross, something happened happened. That symbol was transformed such that it became a symbol not of mere death, but actually, strangely, paradoxically, a symbol of life and hope and healing. And it's shocking if you think about it. And so how did that happen? How did that transformation happen in terms of the symbol of the cross? Well, what happened is what I like to call the great exchange. The great exchange. On the cross, there was a great exchange that took place whereby I can exchange my guilt for his innocence and my woundedness for his healing and my weakness for his strength and my brokenness for his wholeness and my death for his life. And the message of the cross really is that there's something wrong with the world and it needs to be set right but that only God could do it. And that he does it strangely above all through the cross. And so that's what we're going to explore tonight. This surprising, great exchange. And we're gonna look for a moment at the passage we read a moment ago from Isaiah 
chapter 53. We're going to focus on verses 4 through 6. And this is probably the best chapter in the Bible to look at. If you want to understand what happened on the cross, because in the New Testament, they're constantly referring back to this in terms of what happened here to explain and to understand what happened on the cross. And there's just so much here in this passage. We will only be able to just sort of scratch the surface. Uh, but let's, let's take a look at this passage together. I'll read part of this again, again, Isaiah 53, verses four through six. It says, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let's walk through this together. The first thing we see here is that Jesus enters into our pain. Jesus enters into our pain. It's amazing. It says, quote, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Now, you need to catch that the point here is not just that Jesus experienced pain. I mean, that's obvious, right? That Jesus experienced pain. What is so uh, shocking about this is it says that surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. It's amazing. And this is the first glimpse we get of, of what I'm calling the great exchange. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. And so what we see here is that God is a God. The God revealed in Jesus Christ is not a God who is detached from our pain and from our suffering, but rather he is a God who enters into it and understands it. What an amazing God. And as someone who's experienced a lot of pain and suffering and trauma and depression in my life, I can tell you that he carries our sorrow and our grief. He carries it. He takes up our pain, we are told. Now, that doesn't mean that we will never experience suffering. Suffering is real and it can linger. But what this tells us is that if you come to Jesus with your suffering, with your pain, he will take it upon himself and he will sustain you. He will carry that weight so it will not crush you. And he wants to carry your burdens and carry your grief and your sorrows and your losses. He is an amazing God. And I don't know if you've spent any time in college. I studied various religions and, and there is no other religion like this where we have a God who is empathetic and, and gracious, who enters into our sorrow and doesn't just say, hey, get over it, but he actually enters into it himself. It is revolutionary. It is profound what we see in Jesus Christ. And so this is really the first glimpse of this the great exchange. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Not only does he enter into our pain and into our suffering, he actually goes to the root issue. He goes to the root issue, and we see here the wisdom of God. Let's look at verse five again. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And you see, the pain and the suffering that we experience in our lives, it doesn't just come out of nowhere, right? That is largely something that we kind of do to each other or do to ourselves, right? And so if you're here tonight and maybe you're hurt because someone lied to you or someone betrayed you or, or gossiped about you, well, that's, that's an example of what the Bible is calling here transgression. We can be on the receiving end of that, of course. We can be on the giving end of that. 
We can do that with others. We can do that with God and even ourselves. In my experience, at least, I feel like I've hurt me way more than anyone else has ever hurt me, if I'm honest, right? I mean, we do this to ourselves. We do this to ourselves. So the message of the cross is that there's, there's something wrong with this world and it needs to be set right, but that something is not just something outside of us, but actually... It's not, you know, it's not primarily things like, I don't know, economics or uh, ideology or politics. It's actually way deeper than that. It's not primarily technological uh, or biological. All the wrongness, what it is, is all the wrongness and ill will and moral failure that is inside you and me. And I believe we all know this. It's things like deceit or, you know, turning a blind eye to the poor uh, in our lives. It's It's cruelty, it's lust, it's gossip, it's racial injustice, it's judgment, hate, it's all in there. It's not just out there. That's what Jesus comes to deal with, the root issue, the root issue. We're all guilty of this. In verse six, it says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And that's really right at the heart of what the Bible calls sin. That's really putting ourselves in the place of God, kind of turning our own way. And one thing I want to point out is that sometimes people get confused here, that the message of the cross is not that, well, the religious people, those are the good people, and and the non-religious people, those are the sinners, and they need a savior, but the religious people, they kind of got it together. That, That is not the message of the cross. The message of the cross, and this is sobering, but it's that everybody's guilty. And we're all in this together. That's the good news. (laughs) But everybody's guilty. And so you even see that in the passion story we we read a moment ago. I mean, think about this. So so Pilate, Roman rule, he's powerful. He's guilty. He he, he was guilty of tremendous injustice. The Pharisees, who are the religious leaders, they were guilty of envy and injustice. The soldiers, they were guilty of cruelty. The, The crowds of mockery. Even Jesus' disciples were guilty of cowardice and denial and betrayal. The point, everybody's guilty, all of us. And Jesus is the only one who's truly innocent. Now think about this. Uh, I came across something by John Ortberg where he talks about that if Jesus would have avoided the cross, and he actually could have done that, but if he would have avoided the cross and he sort of you know, led the crowds in this kind of revolution or simply kind of run, the way, run away and then they would have all gotten mad and then revolted, uh, Rome would have come down with an iron fist and, and there would have been blood everywhere. And so instead of that, knowing that Jesus, instead what he did, he said, I'm going to take it. I'm going to the cross. And he allowed himself to be judged guilty so that the blow would fall on him and on him alone. And in the cross, we see just the vast guilt of human sin and violence and injustice and hatred. But we also see God's determination in Jesus to offer mercy and forgiveness at the ultimate cost to himself. In verse five, it says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And one commentator points out that this is actually the strongest language in in Hebrew for describing just the most violent, excruciating death. Jesus experienced extreme suffering at the hands of others for you and for me. Now, in a moment, uh, I'm going to put up a a slide just to kind of help us kind of enter into this so it's not abstract. If you have any young kids with you, I don't know if I see who might be sensitive, you might just, you can have them avert their gaze for a moment. This is a, an image from the movie, The Passion of the Christ. You can put the slide up now. And just let that hit you for a moment, what Jesus did. 
for you. The cross, even just on a purely human level, was the most painful thing you could imagine, not to mention all the spiritual realities connected to that. So when it says he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, that means that he did that. He was innocent. He did that for you and for me. And so the invitation of this great exchange is that if we come to him with our guilt, our regret, he'll give us his righteousness. If we come to him with our shame, he'll give us his right standing with God and his clean conscience. If we come to him with those things that lead to death, he'll give us his life. And the apostle Paul said that because of the cross, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus died for you and for me. That's what makes the great exchange possible. You can take this slide down. A few years ago, I got into a sci-fi show called The Hundred, and uh, I watched the first couple of seasons. It kind of went downhill from there, stopped watching it. But um, there's kind of a, so I, for whatever reason, I'm into dystopian kind of shows. It just, I'm a sucker for it. I don't know why. Um, but uh, in this show, the this, this scenario is uh, there's just kind of the, the, the earth has just been, I think there was like a nuclear war or something. And so the earth was just totally wrecked. And, but there is a group of, of people living in like the space station. They've survived, but their space station's starting to break down. And so they send a group of a hundred kind of juvenile delinquents as the guinea pigs to see if earth is habitable again. And so they're down there, and I'm not going to get into all the details, but basically at one point, uh, there is one of these young guys who uh, realizes that if, if he wants to save his friends, he has to sacrifice himself. And he says at one point, he says, none of us are innocent. This tremendous insight. And in other words, he, he realized that even though they try to do, they try their best to do the right thing, they still end up doing these horrible things. They still end up making stupid mistakes and hurting one another. And he goes on to say, I bear it. And there's this situation, I'm not going give, to give the spoiler, but where he faces so that, he says, I bear it so they don't have to. He's about to sacrifice himself for his friends. And he says, deliverance comes at a cost. That is a tremendous insight. Your deliverance, my deliverance, it wasn't free, it came at a cost. Jesus paid that on the cross. On the cross. I want to share another story with you just to kind of illustrate uh, I came across a story told by Ernest Gordon, who was an allied prisoner of war in a Japanese POW camp. And he wrote a, wrote a book called Through the Valley of the Kwai. And it's a true story. And it was actually made into a movie called To End All Wars. And he shares of how one day uh, the POWs were, were out working. And this is a quote from the book. And he says, quote, the day's work had ended. The tools were being counted as usual. As the party was about to be dismissed, the guard shouted that a shovel was missing. The guard insisted that someone had stolen it. Of course, this was like very serious. If that went missing, I mean, they could try to escape. So this was very serious. Striding up and down before the men, he says, the guard ranted and raved, working himself into a fury, screaming in broken English. He demanded that the guilty one step forward to take his punishment. No one moved. The guards' rage reached new heights of violence. Then all die, all die, he shrieked. To show that he meant what he said, he cocked his rifle, put it on his shoulder, aimed at the first man in the rank, prepared to shoot and work his way down the line. At that moment, a soldier from the Argyle Regiment stepped forward, stood stiffly to attention and said calmly, I did it. 
The guard unleashed all of his whipped-up hate, kicking the helpless prisoner and beating him with his fists. Still, the Argyle stood rigidly to attention, chin up, though now his blood streaming all down his face. His calm silence seemed to goad the guard into greater rage. Seizing his rifle by the barrel, the guard lifted it high over his head and brought it down on the skull of the Argyle, who sank limply to the ground and never moved again. Though it was perfectly clear he was dead, the guard continued to beat him and stopped only when he was exhausted. The men of the work detail picked up their comrade's body, marched back to camp, and when the tools were counted again at the guardhouse, it turned out that no shovel was missing. You see, they were saved by one man's sacrifice. It's a powerful story. Yet as powerful as that is, that is actually a dim glimmer of the power of what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. That is the great exchange. Verse five continues on. It says actually, the punishment that, that brought us peace was on him. You see, Jesus, again, he took what, what we deserved so that we could know peace. And we're not talking about peace in just kind of like a Zen kind of way or kind of like in a good vibes kind of way. Like we're talking about real objective peace with the God of the universe. When, for example, when, when, when World War II ended and they declared peace, that was, they were declaring something has happened. Things have changed. There is a real peace now. The war has ceased. Hostilities have ceased. The war is over. And the message of the cross is that if you come to Jesus for this great exchange, you can know peace with God, your creator, the God who loves you more than anything else, that he will give you his peace and you can know total peace. I remember when I was a student at Cal Poly uh, my freshman year and I was just running from God as fast as I could. And uh, one day I was about to hop in the shower and I just was hit with just this overwhelming sense of how distant I was from him. This lack of peace, it was just, it actually hurt. Like it actually hurt. But I also remember later that year when I eventually surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I remember that night. I laid down in my bed for the first time in my life. And I, I laid down on my bed, and and as my head hit the pillow, I just wept because for the first time in my life, I had peace. I had peace, and not just a superficial peace, but a deep, soul-level peace, and it was amazing, and that's what Jesus made possible through the cross. We can know peace with the God who created us. We're born in the state of alienation. We rebel. We wander away, but Jesus, he came to us, and he made a way possible to know peace with God through the cross through the cross. Now, as if that's not enough, there's one more thing I want to show you from this text. The passage continues and it says, and by his wounds, we are healed. And this is telling us that Jesus himself took up our wounds so that our wounds could be healed. Uh, Anyone see the movie um, Maze Runner? Any dystopian friends? Okay, here we go. Uh, So another dystopian scenario. I won't get into all the details, but so the scenario is like there's this virus that is just like ravaging humanity and it's just like, it's decimating humanity. And so there's this research group that's trying to figure out how do we find a cure to stop this and to save our own lives, but also save everyone else. And they even go to unethical lengths toward this end. Uh, I won't get into all the details. Uh, just a bit of a spoiler alert, cover your ears if you if you're, uh, don't want the spoiler. But basically, as you fast forward to the end of the series, three movies I think have come out now. 
um, no cure has been found. Uh, but, but then just right at the end, Thomas, who's the protagonist, he discovers that his blood and his blood alone is actually what will save everyone. I think it's just this image of Jesus that healing is possible because of Jesus' blood, what he did on the cross, that healing is possible, just like in that story, but not just for us, but for the entire human race. And so Jesus, he came, he not only entered into our pain, not only did he come to give us peace and new life, but also healing to bring healing to the deepest wounds of our soul. By his wounds, we are healed. Now, just as we wrap this up, I just want to ask a question. And the, and the question is, why did, why did Jesus do all this? What, what drove him? The Apostle Paul says this in Romans 5. He says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, it's all about God's love. The cross is all about God's love. Jesus didn't have to do this. I don't know if you've read this part, but in uh, John chapter 10, he says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and an authority to take it up again. In other words, he did this voluntarily. And it's just amazing. And Tim Keller, I don't have time to unpack this. He's... He said that, the, that Jesus' death was the only true and completely voluntary death in, in, in history. And he, he went through so much. He went through the cross. He gave up everything for you and for me. Do you feel that? Do you feel the love on display through the cross? G.I. Packer once said something like this. He asked, are you melted by spiritual understandings of how much he loves you? Do you live in the reality of that? Is it a walking reality? Can you breathe it? Can you feel it? Can you taste it? Can you touch it? Do you know how different you'd be if you'd realize the magnitude of his love? The cross is all about love. And what's amazing is that what at first appeared to be a disaster, what appeared to be the end, appeared to be failure and humiliation, actually turned out to be the victory of God so that we could come and experience the great exchange, so we could experience hope and healing and life with God through Jesus. Now, as we wrap this up, I want to just kind of bring this home for a minute. I'll invite the band to come back up. There's something interesting about the cross, how it has this way of bringing people sort of to to kind of kind of a crossroads, kind of a point of of decision, and, and for 2,000 years, anytime someone is confronted with this reality of the cross and the message of the cross, it sort of unexpectedly faces them with this decision, like, how will I live in light of that? Like, how will I respond to this? How will I live with respect to Jesus? How will I live my life now? And, and, and of course, some people reject the message and, and think it's just foolishness. Some uh, sort of procrastinate. I did that for years. Um, some kind of distract themselves and think maybe, you know, I'll put that off for another day. But I want to share with you a line from the 70s band Rush and their song Free Will. They say, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. And so you might think, I'm, I'm just, you know, another day, maybe I'll just push this off. Actually, you're, you're, you've made a choice. And so again, every time we're confronted with the message of the cross, we, we have this question, what am I gonna do in light of that. And many, of course, 
have said yes to Jesus. They come to the cross, they, they bend their knee, they give him their heart, they surrender their lives to him. And tonight, I just, I want to invite you to do that. To come to the cross, to meet him there and to make this great exchange. His life for yours. I just want to invite you to make that great exchange tonight. And I just invite you to bow your heads with me now just to pray for a moment. If you want that, if you want to make that great exchange tonight, whether for the first time or for the millionth, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. And the words are very simple. And they're simply, Jesus, I give you my life. And so if that's where your heart is right now, you can just whisper, just Jesus, I give you my life. And those aren't all the words you want to say. That's just the start of a conversation. But if that's what you want tonight, I just invite you to pray that to him right now. And we're going to take a couple minutes just uh, in prayer and reflection. And in a moment, we're going to bring out a wooden cross to remind us of the cross of Christ. And we want this to be a time where we can really connect with Christ and just bring to him whatever you're carrying. And so there are actually some three by five cards in the seat back in front of you with some pens. And we're going to have an opportunity if you would like to nail those cards to the cross. Before we do, we're going to take just a couple minutes to reflect as the band plays some instrumental. But in this time, just as you pray, you can also consider, is there anything in particular you want to bring to the cross tonight? It could be maybe a sin you've been struggling with. It could be uh, a burden you've been carrying. It could be a worry. It could be an addiction. And I invite you just to write that down on the piece of paper and then we'll have an opportunity to nail that to the cross. No one will read that after the service. We'll just shred them. This is just between you and God. And then we'll have a prayer team off to the side. They'll be, love, love to pray for you for anything going on in your life. And then we'll just have some time of worship and prayer. But let's just take a couple moments in prayer and reflection.